0: What's going on? This is the Saturday on South podcast. I am Conor O'Gara. Will a Merry Christmas to you?
1: You are back in Alabama right now, right? Yes, I, I just like got off of this like two-hour drive past the uh, combination Warhammer store and Starbucks in Hoover, and just found out that A uh, and M is not playing in their bowl game. So anytime we ever do anything here, there's just news that happens that makes <laughs> us go, Wait, how did I miss this?
0: We got on this call, a little peel behind the onion here. We got on this call and I had all my AM notes ready to go because we're going to talk about all the different bowl games today. We got our buddy Gary Stokin coming up in a little bit here, talking about the Peach Bowl, the future of bowls, and dealing with all these opt outs. I threw a few ideas at him. He may or may not have hated them. We'll get to that (laughs) later. But the first thing that we talk about here, Will text me, Will Will says to me, he's like, hey, uh, so AM not playing in a bowl game. I was like, wait, what? These are the things that you miss if you spend 20 minutes off of Twitter Like exactly. lunch and just doing regular human things. That's the big news that we find out today that AM, who, as we knew earlier in the week, was dealing with a ton of different COVID things, not going to be playing in the Gator Bowl, which means today we have one less bowl game to preview. Only seven. And this is fluid. This is very, very fluid brutal that this is coming up again this time of year. It just seems like this has really picked up in a hurry. I know a lot of teams are dealing with this. Georgia has had these announcements. JT Daniels reportedly test positive. Uh, George Pickett's reportedly test positive. Like, we're, we're probably going to see COVID impact bowl season a lot, and a lot more than I would have said even just at this time last week. Mm-hmm. So take that kind of for what it is. It's brutal, but at least we're talking about football. Facts. At least We're talking about football, and that is a win. Um, Again, if you missed our preview of Florida and Mizzou, go back to the last pod, listen to that. We will recap those with the pod that we record on Monday, and we'll also have our full playoff preview then. But i figured now would be the rest would be a good time to preview the rest of these i guess now seven bowl games in the sec we'll we'll wait on the lsu one for a bit because that one's not for like two weeks let's let's see if lsu even plays because our guy jacob Hester came out and said like yeah lsu is expecting to have 51 scholarship guys available for that game and they were handing out scholarships to get to 51, so. Listen, there are
1: people who are here for the love of the game, and there are people that are here for money, all right? Obviously, these walk-ons and kickers that are playing for LSU right now, they're here for the love of the game and free swag. And then once they get all the free swag, we'll see if they're really still here.
0: Yeah, and look, like, teams don't get the bowl payouts if they don't play in the game. That was one of the things that Ross Dellinger threw out there as well uh, in the reporting of this, but we I think we're going to see a little bit more of this, and... After last year, where so many different teams were just like, yeah, you know what, we can't play in these bowl games. Even teams who are so unbelievably desperate for a win. Think of Nebraska last year. Like <laughs> Nebraska would have loved nothing more after the year that it had to just be able to like play in a postseason game and win. On the surface, that would have been great. But everybody dealing with, dealing with COVID, and like you had a bunch of guys who you know couldn't travel back home. We talked to Wandell Robinson about that. And by the end of the year, there were some of these teams that were just like, no, we're 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 kind of done with this. And we might see more of that this year. So fingers crossed we get as many of these games played as possible. All right. Should we get into the Birmingham Bowl? Do you want to start with that, Will? Is oh, that a yes. a good place to go? Of course. Just down the <laughs> road, man. Love it. Over-under for the Birmingham Bowl, which is Houston and Auburn. Auburn's a two-point favorite. The over-under is one, just one, third or fourth quarter touchdown for Auburn. Oof. Sorry. Again, I've said this repeatedly. I don't hate Auburn or anything like that, but that stat continues to blow me away that they didn't have a third or fourth quarter touchdown in the final five games of the season. You know what else blows me away, Will? Auburn's a favorite in this game. Okay. Don't get that. Do not understand that. Listen to Auburn's list of guys who aren't playing. Bo Nix, Sean Shivers, Brodarius Ham, your boy. Wow, Elijah. no
1: Brodarius Ham. Right? That's the showstopper right there, man.
0: Just opt out of the game altogether. Elijah Canyon, Ladarius Tennyson, Tayshawn uh, Manning, Roger McCurry, Zacoby McLean, Caleb Johnson, Nick Broms, New play caller as well. Basically, Tank Bigsby. Kind of all about him in this one. that doesn't seem like the best recipe for success. And especially against Houston, who's like a legit 11-2 team. Yeah, they lost their book on games to Texas Tech, which they blew a significant lead in, and then they lost in the AAC Championship to playoff bounce Cincinnati. But Houston's still really good. It's still really good, even though they're going to be without their stud corner, Marcus Jones. I'd argue if there's an SEC team in which you can be without a stud corner, it's probably Auburn, right? i mean (laughs) yeah that's that's a good point yeah not exactly loaded with receivers who can take over a, a specific game and not exactly a team that has a guy that you feel confident getting them the ball either do we really trust tj finley with several offensive line starters out to show out against a top 25 defense because i don't i really don't i think houston wins i think houston wins big Watch. uh, Here's what's going to happen though. I'm going to say that and I'll say 35 to 17 is my prediction. Vegas is going to make me look like an idiot. They're going to be like Connor. Auburn was favored for a reason. We just needed to see the skill take over. Tank's going to have a 200 yard game and I'm going to look like the biggest idiot in the world. And I'll end up saying, wow, that's why they're the odds makers. And I'm not,
1: I can't see a path to Auburn winning this game. Can you I mean, you just never know because it's Auburn, but this is a horrible matchup. Like you said, I mean, this is a legit good Houston team, like probably the second best team in their conference, the AAC, which, you know, isn't, isn't a bad conference. We've seen they
0: went undefeated in conference play. Like there, there's no debate about it. I mean, they went undefeated in conference play up until the Cincinnati game.
1: Right. And it's like, yeah, like we've seen these teams, you know, a lot of the AAC teams get poached to go to the big 12. So, you know, obviously they have what it takes to play on these big stages, um, but yeah, I mean, I, the, the poetic nature of, you know, Gus getting fired because, you know, he'd only win the Birmingham Bowl, and then boom, fast forward six months, Auburn's in the Birmingham Bowl, and we're sitting here like, how are they going to win the Birmingham Bowl? <laughs> that is just poetic. I hate to say it. It's not indicative of Auburn's season, but it's really funny.
0: Yeah, that, that's the type of game where, I don't, I don't know if you show off ready to go for that one. And ma- you know what? Maybe Houston will be the team that doesn't really look like it really wants to be there after you lose in the AAC championship and it's kind of like, all right, well, season's kind of over. But I would tend to think that getting fired up to play an SEC team would be <laughs> that mindset. We'll kind of wait and see how Dana Holgerson's team comes out. But uh, Brian Harson would love to be able to, to get a dub on the board and to do so against a Houston team that is respectable and is in the top 25. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily... Way different than the Birmingham Bowl, Liberty Bowl. Game of, game that's being played in the beautiful city of Memphis. Mm-hmm. Mississippi State's a 10.5 point favorite against Texas Tech. Did I say the Liberty Bowl? Let me check myself there. This is the Mike Leach Bowl. Make no mistake about it. The over-under I have, five and a half references to Mike Leach and the bitter ending with his former team, Texas Tech.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If you've ever read the book, great college football book, The System, you saw that weird side of that whole deal with Craig James son. You saw that that perspective from Leach in the book, and it just kind of just kind of makes you wonder and I don't know if that thing would have happened like that ten years in the future when leach is a little bit more established or whatever he had things going pretty good at Texas Tech at the time, but just strange how all of that played out and I don't think Leach is over that whole thing based on that tweet that he had a few weeks ago when he found out the bowl game matchup. He's not overly concerned about being politically correct as we know. So what does that mean for this game? Hopefully it means we get the full Leach arsenal. Like we see Mississippi state get a lead and then just keep throwing and keep throwing Mm -hmm. and keep throwing. Maybe the only thing that can prevent that Texas tech uh, has an interim coach. Sonny Comby, who played for Leach and was GA for him on that staff at Texas Tech. So, like, maybe Leach shows a bit of mercy in this one. He's like, all right, I don't really want to stick it to this guy. I kind of want to stick it to the program, but not necessarily to this guy. I don't know. Mississippi State avoided uh, this bowl, bopped out, bowl opt-out coaching carousel stuff pretty well for the most part. Mm-hmm. Zach Garnett, um, as of 220 on Wednesday, December 22nd, he is not going anywhere just yet. That is a win. Charles Cross, the offensive tackle, declared for the NFL draft. Expect him to be a first-round pick. But other than that, I expect to see a pretty similar Mississippi State team to the one that we saw down the stretch. Meanwhile, Texas Tech... They basically were told middle of the season, this this doesn't really matter, guys. Like <laughs> We know you're one game for bowl eligibility, um, but we don't really care. Goodbye, Matt Wells. Hello, um, new regime. And they went one and three down the stretch with an interim, and they did lose to the three best teams in the conference. But having said that, I still think Mississippi State comes out ready to go. I, I think Leach is... This is a, a nice little Super Bowl for Leach. He gets his revenge, his team covers minus 10 and a half. I picture Leach sitting there at that post-game press conference, just ready to fire away. And, and the tweets are, you know, they're in the drafts right now. They're in the drafts, just waiting. Will, I think I know the answer to this question. Have you ever had tweets in the drafts waiting on the results of a game for it to go <laughs> final. Like you have something ready to go maybe at halftime or something like that. And you're just like, I, I need this to go final so I can fire this off. I don't want to schedule it because that that can, you you run the risk of being cold taked by, I mean, by everyone for doing that. The, I do, I've do i done that before, but those are usually my um, it's always E tweets. I really try and stay away from everything else. But you've done that a few times, haven't you?
1: Oh, yes. I, I saw one on Sunday that was like, it was a Bucks fan saying, uh, I hope we blew out the Saints tonight. And literally, I was holding on to that tweet until the game went final because I was like, you know what? If they score 14 points, this could be a blowout. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I definitely feel that.
0: It's something that, you know, come on. Let's, we, we all have a certain, a certain side that, whether we admit it publicly or not, revenge is just a, a sweet, sweet thing. And I think Mike Leach wants his fair share of that. And I think that is exactly what he will get. Duke's Mail ball. The Battle of the Carolinas, South Carolina against North Carolina. North Carolina is a nine point favorite. The over under, and this might be the most important over under that we have ever done on this here podcast. The over under is
1: .5, tubs of mayo dumped on a winning coach. <laughs> Shade Beaver is like such a happy dude. I could see him just loving being covered in mayo. <laughs> <laughs> he would. You're exactly right. You
0: you could see him just like sprinting away. He's got like chunks of mayo. He's trying to get off himself in the post-game interview. Could totally see that. The thing that I kind of want to see just in a nutshell, without necessarily saying I want a specific team to win. But Mac Brown is 70 years old there are not many things in life many opportunities that we have to potentially watch a 70 year old man get dumped a celebratory bucket of mayo onto him yes i think we need that i think this college football season demands that everybody talks about the idaho potato bowl it's all well and good the french fry things the french fry thing it's it's cool it's fun it's unique duke's mayo bowl has to embrace this they have to there is probably going to be such a large audience on the last three minutes of this game. <laughs> Just for that possibility, no matter who's winning, you need to have this ready to go. And I don't know who, what intern, what bowl assistant is gonna have to dump all that mayo into that Gatorade cooler, but it's also gonna be a slow pour. So right. do you water the mayo down, how do you factor that into it because you dumping Gatorades easy that 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 stuff comes out of the out of the you know the tub quickly but mayo is like I don't know. I don't know the strategy of dumping Mayo.
1: I've, I've spent too much time thinking about this. Let's move I, on. To the game. I'm telling you, I don't think there is a coach in college football that would be happier to be covered in Mayo than Tin <laughs> Beaver. I literally could see him just covered in Mayo doing the, po- I want to thank the whole Mayo industry. Who said we would be here tonight, guys? But look at me, I'm covered in Mayo and it's amazing. We're all happy to be here. And on the other side, you have Mac Brown, who's like a national championship coach and you say he's 70, like order He'd be furious. He wouldn't even come to the interview if that happened to him. So yes, we are all, fans of college football should just be rooting for South Carolina here. Oh my gosh! I just thought of the poten-
0: potentially the saddest sight in the history of the sport. Well, I don't mean to, I didn't wake up choosing <laughs> violence today, but we remember the premature Gatorade bath that Coach o got at A and M. All right, 2018, a premature mayo bath. <laughs> That's the that would be the single saddest sight you could possibly have, ever, ever.
1: But again, it has to be on Mac Brown because I can't stress to you enough. Know, Shane Bieber would be like, oh, "I love mayo. This is great." He'd be like yeah. eating it off of himself. <laughs> <laughs> Mac Brown would be like, "I'm gonna retire." He's like, he'd be like, you know what? Three minutes left in this game. I'm calling it a career, buddy. I'm getting yeah. in my Volkswagen. I'm heading home.
0: I don't want to. I, I I hope a coach doesn't have to deal with a, a sad premature mayo bath. Anyways, I love me some some Sam Howell. I really do. And. I was kind of surprised to see that he was going to be playing in this game but he said you know what i'm i'm ready to go i thought he was the number one quarterback in the country coming into the season and i don't think a lot of the things that happened this year with unc starting off preseason top 10 finishing six and six i don't think a lot of that was his fault Mm -hmm. probably didn't help that he played the way that he did in the opener against virginia tech and everybody's kind of like oh whoa sam howell we got a little bit ahead of ourselves but they they just really struggled to replace those skill guys. And now we kind of see Javonte Williams, Michael Carter, they're, they're both legit future studs in the NFL. So that's probably part of this. Get this though. Sam Howell has taken 44 sacks this year. Mm-hmm. He, he also ran the ball 170 times. That's, that's a lot. That is a beating to take. And he's he's like a, he's a thicker guy, but he's not like, you know, he's not a, not a tank, All right, The guy's not mm-hmm. exactly built like Tebow. I'm assuming he takes at least one sack in this game, which would give him more than 44. The last time that a Power 5 quarterback took more than 44 sacks in a season, Lamar Jackson, 2016. That was during his Heisman season.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Pretty crazy.
0: Doesn't happen very often, though. And... I don't really think that that's totally like, oh, hey, Sam Howell just sits in the pocket too much. Trying to make things happen. He's trying to make things happen. He has run the ball way, way more this year than he did in the past. That's a big part of his game. and It will be moving forward. But I don't think anything's going to really face Sam Hall. And even if South Carolina is able to get to, to get pressure with that front seven, which has been really good and kind of underrated this year. I don't really think that he's going to sit there and just take hit after hit after hit, unless that offensive line is just all of a sudden dealing with major COVID issues or something like that. But I would worry if I'm a South Carolina fan, I worry what that would look like seeing the side-by-side of Sam Howell against Seb Nolan. We're a pro Zabulia podcast. We are. Let the record show. Mm-hmm. But that side-by-side is going to be pretty obvious. I would think we'll wait and see on that, especially South Carolina without leading rushers, a white who declared early. He is off to the NFL draft guy who's been in college seemingly forever. He's a 2017 recruit. I could definitely see a world in which Shane Beamer is wiping off chunks of mayo off his shoulders. And he kind of has that. How do you like me now type of game? And he wins as a pretty significant underdog. I could see that. But I'm struggling to see how the Gamecocks get going offensively. No Jason Brown, who entered the transfer portal as well, friend of the program. I've got UNC winning 28 to 14, and maybe just maybe a Mac Brown Mayo dump. <laughs> I can't say that with a straight face. Mac Brown Mayo dump. We need to see it. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to the Music City Bowl, Purdue, Tennessee. I'm excited for this one. Tennessee is a four and a half point favorite. The over/under three. Hendon Hooker touchdowns. Oh, we yeah. are hen dogs. That is what we are on this podcast. And dogs? Let me life, say man. this. We are, through and through. Of all of the I'm coming back announcements so far, and there haven't been a ton. Will Levis had a pretty good one as well. Mm-hmm. Hooker might have been the one that I was most excited to see because that truly felt like a coin flip. And I know Tennessee fans were kind of like, ah, you know what? I could see either way, he's trying to capitalize off of it, Guys, guy's been around for a long time, I could totally understand that, but he is going to be coming back for another season in Knoxville. And for everyone who says that quarterbacks are transferring too much, and I keep seeing that get thrown out there, despite the fact that it's, I think, nine of the 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL transferred at one point during college. So whatever, that's... Interesting, that number's only going to increase in the near future. But so for all those people who say quarterbacks transfer too much, whatever, they just need to, to stay there and fight and win a job. Think about Hooker. If he had stayed at Virginia Tech, there is no way that he would have been a star with a legitimate NFL decision to make. Mm-hmm. There's no chance. Virginia Tech had a had a terrible season. Justin Fuente's gone. And at Tennessee, he gets to lead a top 15 offense. It didn't matter that he was actually brought to Knoxville by the Pruitt staff, and it didn't necessarily matter that we had questions about his deep ball accuracy. He stayed. He worked. He didn't leave the second Joe Milton got the starting job and try and find a a place to play at the last second before the start of the year. He
1: decided, you know what, I'm going to stick it out, and he was better off for it. He developed into one of the better quarterbacks in the country. He, like, us watched Joe Milton throw the football, and he was like, you know what? <laughs> I think I still got a shot here. <laughs> I kept saying that. I'm like,
0: if I'm Hendon Hooker, I'm holding tight because you're <laughs> going to get your opportunity. Just a hunch. So I, I think one of the things, too, with Hendon Hooker, he's going to come back, and he's going to get to be the man for eight months. We talked about what, that with Spencer Rattler the other day with going to South Carolina, and the fact that Hendon Hooker can now make some money doing this, and he's going to, come back as Tennessee's unquestioned QB1, borderline All-ICC guy, I think. And I was thinking about this. I was like, when was the last time that Tennessee had a legit QB1 coming back? A guy who was borderline All-ICC the previous year. Because Garantano was never at that level. It was probably Josh Dobbs, 2016,
1: right? Like, Gotta be Josh Dobbs. Yeah, he was... Uh, he's like almost underrated at this point, because he was a good college. He was, he was like... He kept them afloat for a lot of years there. And it was kind of at a time, too, where... SEC quarterback play was a
0: little bit of that in-between spot. Jalen Hurts was SEC Offensive Player of the Year 2016. And look, not taking away from anything Jalen Hurts did, but to be able to do that as a true freshman, um, you know, We didn't have a Joe Burrow type of year. We didn't even have a Kyle Trask type of year at the quarterback position that season, kind of in between, between like, you know, Manziel and Murray, and that was that little bit of a lull with quarterback play in the SEC. But Mm -hmm. still, Dobbs was very good nonetheless. I'm guessing that Josh Heupel is going to want to air it out a ton with Hendon Hooker, especially without Purdue defensive end George Karloftis playing in this game He's opting out. He's going to be probably a first-round pick. Don't have to necessarily worry about that guy getting a clean shot on your quarterback. But, you know, I I think that it's, as I said before, it's kind of a bummer that we're not going to get to see David Bell and Cookie Monster himself, Elante Taylor, playing in this game. Two guys who opted out NFL draft. That's kind of a wash, I guess, maybe. Um, If you want to include Sion Evans, who's also not playing in this game, it's still (laughs) might. not know how to spell Heupel. I Take that, Josh, that. Hugh Powell. Hugh Powell. Um, But I think with Jabari Small, I think they're going to be just fine. I don't think Purdue is going to be as bad as they were defensively the last time they played in this game, and it looks like Auburn probably could have scored 100 points. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe 150. I don't know. But I don't think they handle Tennessee's tempo very well. So I'll take the Vols to win a shootout 38 to 35. So I, it says, it, it, I'm hedging by saying I think Purdue is going to cover as a four and a half point dog. COVID could impact this game, but if that line stays where it's at, that's how I see that breaking down.
1: Yeah. You can, you can always judge the state of your program by how Purdue plays against you. If you're a great program, they look like the best team in the country. <laughs> great for, point. Yeah, luckily for Tennessee, they're like, you know, a solid program. So they have a great shot to just beat Purdue. <laughs> if Hey, if
0: Tennessee just gets waxed in this game, I'm like you
1: know what? This is the best thing that could happen to us. This means we're
0: elite. It, this happens, all right? This is just the way that they do it. We're probably the number two team in the country. That's yep. what Purdue does. Let's go to the Outback Bowl, Arkansas and Penn State. Penn State's a a one-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under I have 0.5 Sam Pittman beach pictures. Oh, boy. I say that tongue-in-cheek. But I do always kind of wonder about the team who gets to Florida and spends maybe a little bit too much time enjoying the beach, enjoying the pool. Iowa was famous for doing that back in the day. And then Kirk Ferentz was finally like, we're not going to come here a week before. We're going to come here like three days before. <laughs> I'm sick and tired of my team showing up, showing up, looking totally flat in this in this game. They play in the Outback Bowling like every year, it seems like. Um, But that's the only thing I kind of worry about a little bit with Arkansas, given how the program hasn't played in a a Florida Bowl game in 15 years. Just hasn't happened. It's kind of crazy. How about that stat, man? Look look at this guy over here. Look at Sam Pittman doing things. He deserves to go to the beach. You know what? He wants to go to the beach. He can go to the beach. There's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that. Sam Sam Pittman can have a little beach as a treat. Yeah, just a little bit. Just don't do it every day. Don't do it every day. Just enough beach. You want outdoor activities? You want to not have to deal with, you know, with with potential COVID issues? Go to the beach. Beach beach is going to be fine. We're going to have great weather in Florida, I bet. Uh, I I do also worry about one other thing, and I should have brought this up probably. Being without Traylon Burks, he was the passing game this year. He was K.J.'s guy when K.J. was scrambling, trying to make something happen. Burks was the guy who, if he was initially covered, he could find a way to keep a play alive, scramble back to the quarterback, get open. Penn State is solid against the run, and they only allowed nine rushing touchdowns all year. So I do kind of worry about that a little bit with what Arkansas is going to try and do. I would expect this to be a super, super low scoring game. But I think the Arkansas defense steals the show. And if Jahan Dotson doesn't play, Advantage Hawks. James Franklin said that Penn State wouldn't really announce the bowl opt-outs until they got there. So I'm assuming we're going to get some of those. Given the way that they finished the year, seven and five, they've got some NFL talent. Would not be surprised to see them impacted by that. I think Grant Morgan, I think Hayden Henry, they leave it all on the field. No Trey Williams for Arkansas, but I picture those guys, those super seniors. Capping off this year with one more big-time moment. Sam Pittman gets the Gatorade bath, and just as they've done a bunch this year, Hogs find a way. Maybe it's like one more Monteric-Brown interception to close it out. Hogs win. Not going with my lock of bowl season. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold off on that. But I still think that they're able to win a down-to-the-wire game against a pesky Penn State team.
1: Real quick, I don't know if they've done press for this game yet, but I am fascinated to see Sam Pittman interacting with James Franklin. I feel like there might not be two more different coaches in college football because you can tell, like, same thing. Sam Pittman is just a very joyful guy. I'm sure, like, he might have a little sunburn going by the time the the game gets going. He's
0: going to be a golden, golden brown. He's going to be tan. You know that.
1: Oh, yeah, and, like, Franklin is just very, like, he's one of those guys who's, like, too about business for how bad his team usually is. Not to be mean, but, like, he's the kind of guy that's like, loosen up, dude, like, come on. Like, and so, like, I could see them kind of, like, going back and forth in, in these, pro, or these pre-game conferences that would be super funny. And then yeah, like we've talked about kind of the DNA of these teams and that Penn State usually plays like their coach, kind of a little bit of lemon booty. Whereas Arkansas is kind of a nightmare matchup for that type of team because they'll just run straight at you. They don't care. They'll change their game plan. They will make up plays on the fly. And so yeah, you know you know Franklin's got to be watching. It's like this, the meme with Squidward watching SpongeBob and Patrick, like watching the Arkansas players have all this fun and it's like
0: <laughs> I wonder, uh, this, I wonder how many teams are doing doing tempo-type things just to see if they can wear you down. Right. Like, we know we know Kendall Bras wants to run his tempo, but how many of these teams slip into that even more so just to try and take advantage of some of these teams that could be dealing with COVID issues or if they have scholarship limitations as a result of it, just try and speed up that tempo and get things rolling. I don't know. Maybe there's something in the back of my mind that just keeps picturing that 2018 Citrus Bowl where James Franklin just, oh, man. All of my stock that I had in James Franklin, I sold that day watching the way mm-hmm. that his team blew it down the stretch as a result of his coaching in that game against Kentucky. That was bad. And then when I asked him afterwards, like, why again did you take the ball out of Trace McSorley's hands with the game on the line? And he's like, well, our receivers have really you know, dropped a lot of passes this year. And then he, re- he fired his receivers wow. coach the very next day.
1: And that was D.C.'s all the way out. And that, as we've talked about, might be kind of what's kept him together. Yeah. So, you know, he's, so he's looking across that sideline like, that is, that is Kendall <laughs>
2: this Yeah, It's going to be
1: that. rough.
0: That's, yeah, the communication with that, you've really got to be on the same page to be able to figure out some of those things. So that's another reason, reason why Arkansas should have an advantage in this one. Let's go a little bit north in the Sunshine State my neck of the woods citrus bowl i won't be at this game actually ironically enough i wish i was going to be there but travel schedule with coming back from the orange bowl will not be at this one but kentucky three point favorite against <clears throat> iowa mark stoops against his alma mater iowa the over under i have one and a half kentucky turnovers lost all right so how many times is the ball how many times kentucky turn over the ball that's the key to this game it's pretty obvious. There's really not a whole lot else that I look at and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I could see that being the make-or-break thing. No, 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 no. It's the turnover battle. If Kentucky protects the football, I don't imagine a horrendous Iowa offense who won't have Tyler Goodson doing much of anything. Spencer Petrus, he's not it. He is not it. Anybody that watched the Big Ten Championship, they saw. First off, I'm sorry if you
1: watched the Big Ten Championship. Let's just start there.
0: I have Iowa buddies that I want to text them when their team looks that bad offensively and just say, it can't get worse. It's got to get better at some point, right? I mean, they're, they're bad. They didn't even have a top 100 rushing attack this year.
1: Oh, God. Yeah, usually right? they're like this team that's like, they can't throw the ball. Don't worry about it. But they got tight ends and they got a run game. They don't even have a run game this year. That's brutal.
0: They're not one-dimensional. They're no-dimensional. That's it. <laughs> That sounds it's like, fun. oh, hey, if we don't get a short field off of this here turnover, we're, we're not scoring points.
2: Just... <laughs> We've got
1: bad news for you. 40 yards and under is where we can score from, okay?
0: <laughs> yes, I think Kentucky tees off against Spencer Peters On the offensive side for Kentucky, Will Levis, as I said earlier, he announced that he's coming back. Shout out to the Terminator. That's exactly what we needed. I think even against a turnover-happy Iowa team, we see Will Levis turn the page to 2022, and start to build some of that buzz. And also, we're gonna be talking about him a little bit more in some of these conversations about who the better quarterbacks are, who can take that next sort of step next year. He is so confident as a runner. If you watch that Louisville game, you saw all those pieces come together. Not that he ever really lacked that confidence as a runner before, but you can tell that he is not afraid to call his own number and he will take a hit, he'll hurdle you, he'll do whatever. He has that kind of will-to-win type of attitude. And that's a killer against a. A disciplined team like Iowa who could cover Wandel Robinson and then look up and realize that Levis already has found the angle to move the sticks. Also, another thing to remember, C-Rod, 200-yard game away from drinking mayo coffee. I wish. He did not sound uh, very on board for that when we interviewed him and asked him about that. He doesn't seem like he'd be a fun dude to have to tackle mm-hmm. after playing 13 games like Iowa did. Um, doesn't really sound like the type of guy that I'd want to see in the open field with a head of steam. Don't think so mm-hmm. um, and, and I know look Iowa's got a top 15 run defense But I think the balance for Kentucky plays a huge part in this one slightly worried slightly worried about Iowa bracketing Wandale with Isaiah Epps and Josh Ali both out after getting hurt in a car accident Liam Cohen made that announcement the other day Glad it sounds like both of those guys are going to be okay, but not available for this bowl game. I think the Kentucky offense is going to be all right without him, though. Kentucky wins 27-14. Win number 10 for Mark Stoops, second time in four years. Will, mm-hmm. you're not believing in the Hawkeyes,
1: are you? I just... They need, to, they need to evolve, man. They need to just do something different. Yeah, I just, I, Kentucky at least has an element of like chaos and fun to them, whereas Iowa is like vanilla. And as an LSU fan, I can say this you know, in a positive way. This is probably why every time they go to a bowl game, they drink that place dry, because I would be going insane watching Iowa football, especially this year.
0: There is a very stark difference between the SEC and the Big Ten, and mm-hmm. Iowa's offense is a prime example of that. Brian Ferentz is the offensive coordinator. Son of Kirk. Yep. Not very good at his job. Nepotism in the SEC, uh, maybe it could get you in the door. It's not going to keep you there.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Brian Ferentz probably would have been bullied out of a job like two or three years ago by SEC fans. There is no way that if Iowa were in the SEC that he would still have a job.
1: No way. You know what's funny? During that, like, when we were talking about Bryce Young with the Heisman, you were like, I bet there were some programs that wouldn't have taken Bryce Young, and I immediately thought, Kirk Ferentz. I was (laughs) like, Bryce Young could have showed up on Kirk Ferentz's doorstep and been like, I've always been an Iowa fan. I want to play for you, coach. And he'd just be like, nope, (laughs) get up out of here. You're too fun for us, son.
0: Yeah, you talk about needing to evolve. Goodness gracious. They need it in the worst way. Sugar Bowl. Ole Miss, one and a half point favorite against Baylor. Oh, yeah. The over-under I have. 11 and a half shots of Arch Manning. He's going to be at this game. He's making a decision very soon. Very, very soon, actually. Um, it's expected to, to, to come down in the spring. There is nothing that Lane would rather do with Arch in the crowd than have that dominant offensive showing, Matt Corral in his final game. Show, hey, this offense is fun. And also, remember, Kiffin kind of quietly. He's trying to avoid that whole like, oh, Jeff Levy was the key to the Ole Miss offense. He -hmm. wants to avoid that at all costs. And if all of a sudden Ole Miss comes out flat and they score 14 points in this one, we're gonna be like, wow, I really missed Jeff Levy. Lebby off to Oklahoma, great opportunity for Lane to have a banner showing against a really solid Baylor defense. Not entirely sure who starts at quarterback for Baylor. I don't really think it matters as much because I think the Ole Miss defense plays well against either guy, but Baylor is legit. And I don't want to take anything away from Dave Miranda's program. Finished the season with four consecutive wins against bowl eligible teams, including both Oklahoma teams. None of those four teams scored more than 24 points. Only two teams all year scored more than 24 points against Baylor. Very tough task. Very, very tough task. This is an awesome matchup. But I think Matt Corral is going to leave it all out there. I don't think he's worried about his draft stock or anything like that. I don't think he's worried about getting hurt. I think ever since that Bama loss, he has sort of been preparing for this game as his Super Bowl. And I'm probably not alone in thinking like that. I see this being one of those, like, it's 24-21 final minutes. Ole Miss is leading by, by three there. And Ole Miss has the ball. And then, boom, dagger touchdown throw from Corral to close it out. Lane gets win number 11. Corral helps his draft stock, even though he's not thinking about it. And an ideal year two for Lane comes to a close. Will, how do you see this playing out?
1: Yeah, this is a super-duper um, interesting game. I feel like um, just generally because like the styles we've talked about. Obviously, um, you have Aranda, who's a defensive-minded coach, and he is just like an absolute lad uh, transferred from LSU. Uh, Siaki Aika, that like nose tackle they got. I really hope yeah. that like mm-hmm. next year he he gets a little bit more buzz. He's very fun. He's a SoundCloud rapper. But anyway, so like yeah, <laughs> I, I, I love seeing I love seeing like two styles like this come together. And and we saw it. You know, hate to pick on Georgia, but you see in the SEC championship game you get these big tackles moving back and forth. So hopefully Lane really just has a you know, a clipboard-throwing game plan where he's just like, hey, Lebby's gone, I'm going to empty the bag, you know what I'm saying, and and get everything out there, get these receivers in motion, get guys moving, spread the field. Because, like you said, it's an audition, you know what I'm saying? It's, hey, I don't need Lebby, number one. Number two, Arch Manning, you know what I'm saying? And I think that he has every, every, every reason to just show out in this game because, I mean, Dave Aranda, as we've gotten farther and farther away from 2019, it's looking like he's more and more of a genius, especially what he's done in the last couple years with Baylor. He is like the defensive mind in football right now. So, yeah, I, I'm fired up about this matchup, man. I'm not laughing at the idea of anyone being a SoundCloud
0: rapper. I'm laughing at the fact that you knew that. <laughs>
1: and you hey, were listen.
0: able to pull that out.
1: Think about the, the data points here. Former LSU Tiger, like Pacific Islander, Chonk, sounds like this is a guy I've been staying up on. <laughs> All
0: right, excited to see that uh, play out, and everybody's going to have to go follow him. Um, I think the SEC ends up with a winning record in bowl season but I kind of looked at some of these matchups I'm like you know what this could go in a lot of different ways it really could and I if there's one kind of like overarching thought that I have throughout this entire bowl season it is teams can fall apart very very quickly here and especially if scholarship limitations are a thing. I kind of wonder as we as we get into this if we're going to see a lot of these blowouts in teams that just have nothing left in the tank for the second half and hopefully there won't be too too many sec teams dealing with just that let's go to gary stokin gary got a just a brutal draw i mean he really did And, and i love the peach bowl everybody knows that but um i always love his perspective in all things bowls, So we ran through some future potential options about possible incentives and whether or not anything can change to prevent those opt-outs that he's dealing with with Kenny Pickett and Kenneth Walker. So here is Gary Stokin. I'm now excited to be joined by a very special guest. It is a good friend of the show, Chick-fil-A, Peach Bowl, President and CEO, Gary Stokin. Gary, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm glad that we're able to have full fans back in these games. And I know that it's gotta be a relief not to have to deal with the same sort of hurdles that you were working with last year, not that we're totally out of the woods yet with COVID, but things are different now than they were at this time last year. But let's be honest here, and you don't have to say this, but I will. You were dealt three tough blows and three things that are totally out of your control, that has nothing to do with how you can how you personally Sold this game. Things that you know obviously happen, and it just, if you had it your way, these things would not have occurred. Obviously, so not only did the final playoff rankings set you up with non-local Michigan State and Pitt, but you also got the news that Kenny Pickett and Kenneth Walker both out, opting out of this game, declared early for the NFL draft. Gary, tell me some good news, and that those optics are perhaps not as big of a deal as I just made them out to be.
2: Well, Christmas is going to be on the twenty-fifth, so we're looking forward to that it's going to be about 65 degrees right now on game day uh and we'll uh we'll have hopefully uh capacity crowds so uh no we're we're excited we fully understand in in this day and time with uh the salaries that are paid by the NFL um, that um you know Kenneth and, and Kenny both had tough decisions to make uh with them and their families and their coaches and um, we we fully comprehend that and understand that. and We're still going to have two two top-12 teams playing and playing for a lot in the case of Pitt. uh, Only the second time in their 117-year history would they uh, win 12 games if they win this game and finish in the top 10. Only the 1976 National Championship team did that. And then this will be, I think, the fifth time that Michigan State in its 97-year history, would win 11 games. So, um, both both teams a lot to play for. Uh, both had successful seasons, and I think the fans will support them. And um, we're going to have a great unopposed time slot on Thursday, December 30th, and we'll kick it off.
0: So 65, and and you know that that's that's pretty nice, and for a couple of teams that are from the north. They're they're in that mindset right now, and I can say this as a native Midwesterner. But when it gets below well, any anything above like 40 degrees this time of year is officially shorts weather for those who are from the Midwest. Are you guys going to have the roof open for that? Because that's actually like pretty nice, sitting comfortable outside weather to be able to have.
2: Well, it's interesting. The uh, we were up there in Pittsburgh and in East Lansing. Uh, I guess a week and a half ago now, and it was was in the 40s and sunny. And you would have thought they were uh, ready to lay out in the sun. And and me personally being from Pittsburgh, you know, I know that uh, right now, you know, it could be – I think they're going to have a white Christmas up there in in East Lansing and Pittsburgh. And uh, when they get down here on the 24th in the case of Michigan State and the 25th for Pittsburgh or Pitt, it's going to be uh, about 72 degrees. So they're going to think they died and went to heaven.
0: (laughs) Gary, we've had these conversations a couple times a year, uh, each of the last, what, like five seasons now. And the conversation has shifted with these bowl games and you're well aware of it. Everyone is talking about how to stop these bowl opt-outs. Are there conversations happening behind closed doors between bowl presidents like yourself to try and figure out a solution for this?
2: That's a great question, Connor. You know, we we were on a call today with the CFP near six, and um, you know it'll it'll be on our April agenda. Um, but you know, people say, well, gosh, with NIL, you know, uh, I've I've heard in the national media, why wouldn't Chick Fil A pay these kids fifty thousand dollars each and have them playing the game? Well, when you're dealing with contracts that I think are worth about twenty million dollars for a quarterback in the first round. You know, fifty thousand dollars isn't gonna isn't gonna swing that guy to play. So um, you know the amount of money now is is meaningful, and uh, we're fully aware of that. Now the positive is that there hasn't been anybody I don't think from Cincinnati, Georgia, uh, Michigan, or Alabama opt out. The uh, four teams are in the playoffs. So if indeed the playoff moved to eight or twelve or even stayed at four. You know, sure. I don't think you'll see players uh, leave their teams uh, if they're in a chance for a uh, national championship through the playoff if it is expanded.
0: Okay, so I am one of those people in the national media that threw out that idea. And my brother, who does great work for us on Saturday Tradition, our Big Ten site, he loves bowl games like yours. And, you know, he offered up the idea of an NIL-fueled cash prize for those bowl games. And like you talk about, yeah, that's not really that much money when you consider what some of these guys are going to be making. So we're still, I mean, we, we you know, he and I just kind of threw out this idea and we're just kind of workshopping this. But it would essentially give all of these guys a chance to get like that immediate cash and what that's like to, to just have that sitting on the table whether it's you know dr pepper or michelin tires or you know chick-fil-a the game sponsor itself they offer up five hundred thousand dollar purse and for the winner and then like 250 for the loser something like that and then maybe game MVP gets increased money, and then everyone else gets a certain share if they play X amount of snaps, whatever it is. In the NIL era, a- am I crazy for thinking that that could at least provide some sort of incentive? Because it'd be different if it was just all the first round guys are opting out, but like, there are guys, you know, I don't know that Kenneth Walker Kenneth Walker's gonna be a first round guy, but it seems like there are guys kind of in the middle rounds who are even kind of looking at this and saying, ah, it's not quite worth it, but if there was like 50 grand at stake to play in a football game, Gosh, I mean that—that would—that would would have to be awfully intriguing, wouldn't it?
2: I guess I would answer that by looking at the uh, UTSA and San Diego State game last night. Um, I think there was a couple players that opted out of that game, and I watched that game, and it's probably the best bowl game of the year so far. Um, Yeah. You know, so same way with Pitt, Michigan State. There's going to be two teams out there with great athletes that are going to have future NFL players playing in it. and They're going to compete. And uh, that's the great thing about sports. You know, when you put two teams out there in uh, football and there's a challenge to beat somebody and win the game, you know, you're going to get people step up and you're going to get great plays by great some people that you may not know or, um, you know, uh, the next man up, so to speak. So that's what I love about sports. Um, I personally, um, and, and I'll, I'll, (laughs) I'll say this and I may eat my words, but at the end of the day, I think when you start getting into that kind of idea, you're getting away from what, uh, what is great about a team sport. Um, so I, I would say, I hope it's not the case, but who knows in this day and time in college sports, what what will be in the offering in the future? I do think that we do do need Congress at some point to come up with some legislation that's across the board um, because I personally don't like uh, you know some of these schools starting to create these super packs as I call them uh, for money to be distributed uh, because I think you're going to start to get on the other side of you know it impacting recruiting, which it already has, I guess. Um, and I think that's bad for the sport.
0: All right. Three 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 quick ideas. Three quick ideas. And again, you don't have to take any of these to the table when you guys meet in April or anything like that because all, all the points you made hey, are, I'm, are I'm perfectly I'm a creative,
2: valid. so I love ideas.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. One suggestion. Free Chick-fil-A for life for the five stars of the game as determined like by the media or something in the way that we determine the game MVP. Thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I like that idea.
0: Okay. All right. That that's that's one keeping I, I the holster. Stick what about
2: Chick-fil-A this? though? Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I don't stick with <laughs> chick fil I um, I want to make sure I'm on record for that. That's that's up to them if they want to get involved in NIL, which they have decided not to right now.
0: True. Okay. So there's also the long term, right? If if the immediate cash that appeal just isn't quite there the idea of incentivizing with either retirement funds or bitcoin as a potential purse because bitcoin as we know, you know, hey, crypto market, you know, you, you talk about future investments and what something can turn into, and that'd be difficult to have to work out, but at least that would kind of push it forward and make that a little bit more intriguing. Is that a possibility or is that just a dumb idea that I concocted?
2: I don't think there's any dumb ideas. I think all ideas Deserve you know recognition and, and uh, uh, investigation. Um, Fair. Yeah, I, I don't think either of those ideas are something that we'd want to be a part of. Um, but uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, at the end of the day, I think we we have to remember that um, these bowl games are reward for players and celebration. Um, I think. All of us in college sports needs to take a look at how we're addressing the educational aspects. I'm afraid there's too much uh, thinking right now on the other side of the pendulum, which placates the one percent. And I think that's I think that's the wrong approach to college athletics. I'm someone personally that started one game uh, North Carolina state in basketball got my education paid. Um, and like to think I've had some success in business, uh, but wouldn't have had that because my parents didn't have enough money to send me to college at the time. So, um, you know, there's probably 99% of college kids that are from similar, uh, similar places where they may not have the money to go to college. They're getting an education. And they're getting a career uh, that they can have a um, a great life going forward, and I think that's the educational platform. That's what we should uh, be looking at as well, making sure those kids are getting their education.
0: You do have in this game, I think, you know, a chance to 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 get one of these great back and forth games, and Pat Narduzzi is just a, a walking quote. I, a guy that I think at any given moment, whether it's pregame, whether it's postgame, you know, halftime interview, this is a guy who once called his shot against Miami and is one of those guys who just always seems to deliver that quality, entertaining type of game. Have you had any of those conversations? I know we talked about this with uh, with Chris Peterson a couple years ago ahead of the kickoff game. When any of those weird sort of requests that either coach has made, whether it's Mel Tucker or Pat Narduzzi ahead of this one?
2: No, I respect both Mel and, and Pat. I've got to know Pat uh, over the last few years as he's played in our Beach Ball Challenge golf tournament. Uh, Mel, I know through uh, Nick Saban and, and uh, Kirby Smart. Um, don't know him very well, but I've been impressed with the, uh, the couple times that we've met and, and the phone calls that we've had. So, um, again, both these coaches – 1-1 Big Ten Coach of the Year, uh, and Pat Narduzzi was up for the Dodd Trophy. He was one of the five finalists. So both coaches have done a great job this year. Um, you know, I just saw where uh, the kid from uh, uh, USC is going to pit just announced. Um, so a great gift for Pat Narduzzi for their team moving forward. Um, and, and I think both these coaches are going to be successful in both these programs are going to be successful. We've had in the past, whether it's been in our Chick-fil-A kickoff game with Alabama uh, or in our Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl game with Clemson, uh, we've kind of been the, the launching point of both those programs on the great run they, they're still on with Clemson beating LSU in our Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl on a last-second field goal and then the next year coming out and beating Georgia in the first game. Uh, and the word Clemsoning went away. In the case of uh, you know Alabama, uh, Nick Saban's second year, they were seven and six after his first year and lost Louisiana Monroe that first year. They came in and start of the Chick Fil A Kickoff game and beat Clemson number nine, and they've been on a run ever since. So who knows? Maybe uh, whoever wins this game, Pitt or Michigan State, uh, starts that kind of run in uh, in college football.
0: And, hey, you didn't even bring up the fact that Cincinnati, probably not in the playoff, if not for having a down-of-the-wire game in the Peach Bowl last year against Georgia. So um, I, you don't have to say it. I will. I think the Peach Bowl deserves all of the credit for Cincinnati getting into the playoff this year. Are you okay with that?
2: Uh, well, Connor, it's ironic you say that because I was talking to Luke Fickle last week, and, and he said that. He said, you know, <laughs> nice. the experience that our kids had playing in your bowl game, and playing Georgia down to the wire gave us the impetus to look forward and say, we can do this and we can be in the playoff, and here they are. And, um, you know, even to that point, if you look at, uh, you know, we've had Alabama this start of the season in our Chick-fil-A kickoff game. They're in the playoff. We had Michigan two years ago in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. They're now in the playoff. We had Georgia last year and Cincinnati play in our Chick Fil A Peach Bowl, and now they're in the playoffs. So, Chick Fil A Peach Bowl and Chick Fil A Kickoff games are great places to start uh, uh, start your run. So, hopefully, uh, teams in the future will look at that and uh, we'll be will be one of those uh, we'll be the Joe Tessitore of announcing close games. We'll be the uh, the bowl organization that. Uh, kicks off people and launches programs into the top 10 and into the playoffs. All
0: right. It's not too early to talk about next year because despite all the the kind of tough blows you guys have had to take for, for the bowl game with some of the announcements and, and whatnot and the opt-outs, That Oregon-Georgia matchup just keeps getting better. We first find out that Dan Lanning is going to Oregon, the former Georgia defensive coordinator. That sells itself. Then, oh, by the way, Bo Nix is going to play against the Georgia team. That's had his number three different times. Gary, you're not going to need to do any selling for that one.
2: Well, somebody told me the other day I better go play the lottery because (laughs) uh, to have uh, have Dan Lanning leave Georgia and now playing against his mentor, Kirby Smart, in his first game, uh, to have Bo Nix, who uh, leaves Auburn to go play at Oregon and probably will win the starting job out there. Um, And it's interesting. It all started when Mario Cristobal, um, when I met with him at Pac-12 Media Days uh, two, three years ago, and I said, hey, Mario, we'd love to have you. Uh, You've played in our Chick-fil-A kickoff game when you were assistant in Alabama. You know what it's like. We'd love to have Oregon. And, he said, yeah, I'd love to play Kirby. As I said, we've got Georgia who's ready to play. And he said, yeah, I've been on the staff with Kirby. I'd love to have a chance to play against him. So you never know what luck you're going to have. And so um, we may have been a little unlucky with uh, Kenneth Walker and Kenny Pickett deciding not to play. But, um, you know, we'll pick it back up next year. And, hey, that's Saturday game. On Monday game, we've got the start of the ACC season with Clemson and Georgia Tech which I would think Clemson would work its way back into the top 10. And then at the end of the year, we've got number one against four, two against three in the CFP semifinal game. So, um, you know, bright days ahead. And we think bright days are uh, going to take place on December 30th with a great matchup with Pitt and Michigan State.
0: Do you watch Georgia at all, sort of hoping, oh, it'd be an, it'd be easier to sell if they won a national championship? Or does that really not impact how you're able to to sell a game moving forward to the kickoff? Because I know you've dealt with that before with Alabama, where you know, like even this year is a perfect example. Alabama wins the national championship last year, and then they're coming into the your kickoff game this year. Have you seen that like impact ticket sales, or does that really not matter that much?
2: Well, we we uh, we're so blessed in Atlanta with the great fans that we have that a lot of people buy our tickets to our bowl game and our kickoff game uh, even before they know who's playing in the game now obviously the kickoff game we've scheduled out through 25 because we control that uh but the bowl game we don't know who we're going to have other than to say you know we'll have two top 10 teams in the years that we don't have the semifinal game you know last year eight eight nine cincinnati and georgia this year 12 and 10 michigan state pit next year the semifinal, one four two or three so um People have uh, supported us, and it's one of the reasons why a lot of media think we're the capital of college football. We've got great fans, you know, the best volunteers and staff in the business, and, you know, I think the best facility in the country. And you put that together with uh, great matchups, like we'll have five of the six teams that are playing in our three games next year. We'll all be top ten, I believe. So um, great games. Then you have the SEC championship on top of that. You know, just great games that come to New Atlanta every year.
0: Last one for you. Do you have any uh, any dream matchups in the works here? I know I asked you about that last year, but anything that you've kind of been in talks with, and uh, you know, name te- name teams if you want. I, I know you got to keep those negotiations private, but are there any of those matchups that you're really close to right now that you should? You know, maybe we should expect an announcement in the next month or two or something like that.
2: No, nothing there other than. The, the one idea that I want to get done before I um, go off in the sunset is try and get a two teams, uh, same teams, play basketball one night in Atlanta in State Farm and then the next night Mercedes Benz in Mercedes-Benz in football. Um, Ooh. I think that's a cool idea that, you know, if you had the two right teams, you know, you could sell at both events and uh, be great for the fans because they'd get to see, you know, their home team play um you know in basketball and football back to back uh tougher to get done now with most um at least in football most people so so far out being scheduled with home and homes but um hey that's why that's why you you take a swing right you gotta uh like uh I can't remember Michael Jordan or whoever said, hey you know uh you gotta shoot the ball to see if you make it or miss it. Um, so you gotta take a shot, and that's what we do, and that's what we'll continue to do.
0: I'm just saying, you know, you already got the relationship with Duke football kind of built in. You know, you you had them there a couple years ago against Alabama. Get Duke basketball lined up. You know, I, I I'm just saying, I I think you could, I think you could definitely make that work. You probably have to do it. What like you'd have to wait until you'd have to hope for like a mid November type thing, unless you did a total exhibition type thing, you know, to kick off the football season in September. But is that like the timeline that you would probably have to work with is, is more of like kind of cater to the basketball needs on that side.
2: That's exactly right, Connor. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta do it November 15th and after, um, which is a small window for football because you only got two weekends, uh, to play with there. So, uh, and most most teams, ACC and SEC, are typically in the rivalry games in that last weekend or the weekend before. So that limits what you can do and who you can do it with as well. So nothing's never easy, but that's okay. That's, that makes it all more uh, thrilling and, and challenging to get it done.
0: I love it. I love it. Gary, really, really appreciate the time. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk again real soon. Again, if you want to keep the Bitcoin idea, I just make sure, you know, closed, closed door meetings, you know, just, t- just tell them, hey, I-, I got this suggestion. You guys can take it or leave it, whatever. I don't necessarily need credit on that one, but just kind of keep it in the holster just in case.
2: Connor, I wish I knew enough about Bitcoin to even consider that idea. <laughs> Same, <laughs> but that, but that is that is thinking out of the box. That's what you got to do to be creative and come up with things. But uh, I really enjoy the conversation. It's always a conversation rather than an interview, and um, I, I enjoy that. I think fans enjoy that as well. Um, but uh, to you and your family, have a very blessed and holy uh, Merry Christmas. All right,
0: Gary. Thanks. You too, man.
2: All right. Thanks, Connor. Take care.
1: What's my destiny, mom? You're going to have to figure that out for yourself. Life is a box of chocolates Forrest. You never know what you're going to get.
0: Figuring out Christmas gifts. Will, we are recording this on December 22nd. Mm -hmm. I think I've already received all but maybe one or two of my Christmas gifts, and I don't hate it. We got an Uni pizza oven for our backyard that is incredible. We have already used it multiple times. Shout out to the in-laws for getting us that. It, this thing gets up to 600 degrees mm-hmm. and it basically makes with with a it's, it's a, it's a propane tank, but it makes like wood-fired pizza and it's delicious. Unbelievable thing. Didn't know it was a thing until I think we were targeted on Instagram a year ago or something, but all about that. Also got some hiking stuff for a trip to Zion National Park that we're going to in the summer as well. But to be honest, I haven't necessarily like really looked forward to getting stuff for Christmas in a long time. Like maybe since college, I don't know. Like my mom used to always tell us to make a list and she would do all this Black Friday shopping and we'd get to open all of our gifts on Christmas morning. Pretty standard stuff, nothing crazy. But as an adult, I'm definitely team giving as opposed to team receiving. We buy for my mom, her boyfriend, my brother, his wife, my wife's family. Um, but I've never really been one of those exchange gifts with the buddies. I've never been that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you? Do you is, is gift giving for you something where it's expanded beyond just family or do you try and keep it to a pretty, pretty small circle?
1: Yeah, I'm usually pretty elite at gift giving and like in terms of just like getting to everyone. I have, this is a career worst year for gift giving uh, for me. I still, I need to send you your present. I, there are plenty of people who I still need to send them their Wait, present. Wait, what? I, yeah, bro, I still gonna. I might even still have your present from last year, dog. That's how bad I've been these last two years. So like point being, like I have a whole like room full of stuff that I need to, I think like next week or whatever, I'm just gonna pick a day, get everyone's address, put it on a, a sheet and mail it out. But that's the big problem with right now, dog. Like you can't can't just drop like like co-workers for instance like you guys work remote but like usually like we, i was joking with my co-workers the other day it's like we can't just bring stuff to the office so it's like you yeah. literally need to get an excel sheet for people that are outside of your family that you don't see in your daily life and just go mail them because you can't drop by someone's house during covid uh, you know what i'm saying it might make them uncomfortable white elephant yarnah. Yeah um White elephant's fun. I usually am a lot more straightforward. Like, I don't want to have, like, a, like, a, the office situation where you get, like, a weird gift for somebody. I like to, like, think out my gifts and be like, boom, here we go. I meant to get you that. You know what I'm saying? Secret
0: Santa's all right. Yeah. Secret Santa's a little, little different in that regard. You you can, you can buy specifically for that one person and, and know their interests and whatnot. And depending on how big your workplace is, now, if you've got a workplace that's really big and you do Secret Santa, E, good luck with that one yeah um, and especially it's almost tougher when they say oh you have to keep it to under ten dollars because everything I feels so that, minimal bro.
1: i'd rather just nail the gift and you know what i'm saying it could be 20 bucks or something but if i nail the gift and feel great about it and i hand you something it's never I, as a gift giver i'm never going to be like oh there's an inadequate exchange because like you said i like giving gifts so it's like if you get me like an lsu keychain and i get you like something awesome i'm gonna be like i'm so happy you liked your gift." you know what i'm saying?
0: exactly yeah
1: i haven't haven't done one of those
0: as a as a in a professional workplace or anything like that i always think of the the office episode with, with yankee swap and ryan michael gets it's supposed to be secret santa michael gets the the ipod for ryan Yep. it's like whoa twenty dollar limit
1: what are you doing here
0: and jim gets the old shirt from creed and he's just <laughs>
1: sitting there in a bag See you are so like lucky that you've avoided all these workplace awkwardness things by I working have, at SDS. Yeah. Like you don't know like the oh how much do I like my coworkers? I don't want to get this person who I'm like best friends with something night. Nice. I got like it's a whole thing like the workplace Christmas thing, bro. Yeah, Lauren had to do
0: that, and she made a, a ton of cookies. She, she basically had like five consecutive days of making cookies and made all these different like assort, assortment of cookie trays for, for, her, for her co-workers to be able to have, and for uh, Secret Santa stuff as well. But yeah, it is not an easy thing to have to deal with that. Things that we asked the Facebook group. Thank you to everybody who responded to the question in Saturday on South podcast Facebook group. Our Christmas edition of Figuring Out, this is the last Christmas edition I think that we're going to be doing, but questions I had for everyone. Best slash worst gift you've ever received. How many people do you buy gifts for? Do you find yourself wanting to give more than receive as an adult? And also, of course, any gift horror stories can be giving or receiving. So let's go to this response from Andy Goins. Andy Goins says, worst. My grandma, RIP, bought all of her grandsons the same pair of Spider-Man boxers that she wanted us to open simultaneously. It was the most awkward mothball-smelling moment of our youth. Okay, she wanted you to open them all at the same time. I get that. She didn't want you to put them on at the same time, did she? That's kind
1: of what this feels like, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't really see how everyone opening them together would be awkward, but you're asking a good question here. Did he mean to say
0: that? Because open them at the same time, all right, you know, whatever, like you get boxers, everybody's got to wear underwear, right? unless you don't. I mean, that's your thing, but whatever. I I don't think that's incredibly awkward, but having to then go and put them on for your grandma and have everybody wearing the same underwear would be very, very weird. I'm guessing that's what he meant. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna assume that's what he meant. This one from Sarthak, Sarthak Sharma says, uh, best gift, Rolex Submariner, by the way.
1: Ooh. He's
0: got a picture of this on the Facebook group. If it comes in a case like that, dang, that's a real deal. He also says, I buy gifts for the wife, her family, my family, and maybe a couple small things for friends. Also, my dogs get more gifts than they'll ever show appreciation for, spoiled brats. I'll always love getting gifts more than receiving, but as an adult, I enjoy giving gifts more than I did as a kid. Horror story. Had a friend get married a few years ago. This is really good. had a friend get married a few years ago, uh, went to the wedding and all was great. Lost touch for a little bit, as often happens when you go to a wedding, you know, don't see those people. But uh, he says, fast forward to Xmas, I sent them a wooden sign with their last name on it and a note on how they are couple goals. Like couple goals, squad goals, was then told that they were in the middle of divorce proceedings, so that was rough. Ah. Do you do the Stanley thing and ask for it back?
1: Oh, you gotta like borderline like remove yourself. At that point, you're like, "Hey, bro!" Like. The uh, fact that he said couple
0: goals, and then they're in the middle of a divorce, I'm not <laughs> laughing at anybody's misfortune, but that's, all right, the irony there, yikes. That, Man. yeah, that's like the extra, st- and
1: like, okay, boom. That right there is a great point, because the best kind of gift to give is like a personalized gift, but that is the most like measure twice, cut once type of situation, because if you want to give someone a personalized gift and you miss on a personalized gift, it, it you look like the biggest D-bag in the world. You're just like, oh, I really tried to make it seem like I was thinking about you, but I I wasn't in the loop.
0: I guess moral of the story, uh, when you get invited to a wedding, you go to a wedding, don't lose touch with the people after. Stay up to date on their on their relationship. Make sure you get those updates. If you're gonna send a couple gifts, make sure that you know they're they're standing on a solid foundation. and You don't have to necessarily <laughs> deal with that. I think you just take the L on that one. I yeah. don't think you're getting that back. That's just that's gone. That's a sunk cost. It's a story exactly what it is, right yep. here, right
1: Facts. now. Story. I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, it's like per per dollar, you got more enjoyment out of that because you got a story forever. And at the end of the day, you couldn't have saved that marriage, dog. So like really, you're just, you get a good laugh out of it. I would just love to see the awkwardness, the person,
0: like his, his friend who he sent it to when they open it and they're like, oh, how do
1: I tell him this? <laughs> that sucks. They're in voice. They were not, in fact, couple goals. <laughs> caleb tillman caleb
0: says i think the worst gift i've ever received is a packet of seeds nah all right um i had an aunt that was on a the apocalypse is coming Prepping kick and wanted us all to jump in but the same ant a few years later got my wife the best gift I'd ever seen a set of retractable metal claws a woman can keep in her hand in case someone attacks her and they were Designed to collect DNA so you could go to the police So they were designed to strike blood essentially is what he is saying
1: Um, This person gave you a collection of seeds and Wolverine claws that's, that is a, a winning ant. See, this is okay. what I was talking about. High degree of variance here.
0: You know what? And he also says, um, just, just in case there was any confusion about this, uh, his, his wife has not had to use the retractable metal claw. <coughs> she hasn't used it, thankfully, but it makes me feel a lot better when she's out. Yeah. I get that. I totally understand why you would feel better about your wife having a metal claw just in case someone wrongs her. That aunt is guaranteed yearly entertainment. Mm -hmm. You are never knowing what you're going to get. I have an aunt, my aunt Judy, and I have had some of the most head scratching gifts. I don't want to say worse because, you know what, you just never know where somebody's head is totally at when... You know, they decide at Target that they're going to get you a pair of Ed Hardy pajama pants. You just never know what they're thinking or why they decided, oh yeah, that'll be perfect for my nephew. But nonetheless, every single year you're entertained and you have no idea what it's going to be. And it can be all over the place. That's kind of worth it. Even if it's not a useful gift, just the fact that you could one
1: day open up a present and be like, she went with seeds. No, that's actually facts. Because that means every present from here forward is like a complete, a literal Call of Duty mystery box. Like you walk up, you hit something, it's like, what do we got this year? Is it an atomic bomb? Is it a live raccoon? Or is it like a a Bitcoin? Like who knows?
0: That ant is never giving you a gift card. Mm -hmm. Ever. She is going to whatever length she possibly can. I respect that. And that's Arthur commented on that as well. He said, Were these the seeds? And it's a picture of Professor Copperfield's miracle lagoons. Yes. <laughs> they're not beans, they're lagoons, Dwight. All right. Eric Beasley. Eric says, when I was 18, one of my grandmothers gave me a stuffed cow. She told me. Every boy needed a stuffed cow. She was completely serious. If you're six, fair enough. Who doesn't need a stuffed cow when they're six? Maybe you live in Wisconsin. Maybe you're told the cow is a very important animal, has a big place in the American ecosystem. That's fine. When you're 18, hmm... Did she forget and then just find something at the gas station? Because that's kind of what it sounds like. There's a section at CVS where if you if you venture to the back of CVS, it is just three or four rows of what you do when you're going to a Christmas party and you totally forgot that you would get something. Yep. It's all like kind of in that $20 range and it's stuff that you're just like, huh? All right. This is good to know. A bathrobe that you get out of a plastic container. These are the types of things that we need available to us as American consumers who are tasked with getting a lot of Christmas gifts. So maybe, Eric, one of your grandmothers just roamed in the back of CVS, was on the way to see little Eric, little 18-year-old Eric, and decided, stuffed cow. And I'm going to go with this story about every boy needing a stuffed cow because he's 18 and maybe he'll believe me.
1: Yeah, I, uh... This is, this should be like a recurrent, like Worst Gifts is so fascinating because yeah, like th- great, great topic, Connor. But yeah, it's like, you could literally either go, okay, boom, here's a cow. I got it for you. I don't really know why. It's kind of funny. Or you could just ascribe like this big transcendent meaning to it where it's like, no, no, this is a metaphor for you as a child who will grow up and make this world your oyster, son. And you just take it, it's like, I can't hate this now. It there's, it means something. <laughs> if, yes, if
0: your, if your grandmother says something like prophetic and just kind of makes you think <laughs> about it you're like
1: huh thank you for right. this old world wisdom grandma i'll cherish this cow forever
0: yes cherish the cow appreciate the cow and uh make it make it a keepsake maybe you'll pass it down to to your child one day because every child needs a stuffed
1: cow <laughs> And and as you said, location, occupation, because my family owns a lot of stuffed cows. My grandpa was a butcher in South Louisiana and he had a local meat market. So I have tons of stuffed cows. I actually probably have one back there. We used to get him stuffed cows all the time. So in our family, getting a stuffed cow is actually a great thing. That may be the case, I don't know. It probably honestly isn't, but it might be something to you.
0: I can't imagine the stuffed cow was very large. This is like Beanie Baby size we're talking here, right?
1: Hopefully, that's something that they should have definitely explained because the size of the cow, another X factor in this gift.
0: I don't respect it if it's a life-size cow. I, expect, I, I respect it if it's something that you can put on your desk and just look at for inspiration. Dave Cozart. Dave says, best as a kid, I got the GI Joe aircraft carrier, which was so big, it didn't even fit under the tree worse was as an adult we received the exact same dutch oven two years in a row for my wife's grandma i do find myself wanting to give more than receive as an adult but i also find myself spending more and more money every year and practically needing to take out a loan all right that that is very real you kind of look at your finances november into december and you're like dang like We need to get some of this back like we need some of these these amazon gift cards to roll in right about now and kind of get back to closer to even here Mm -hmm. if your grandma gets you the same gift never return it never Mm -hmm. i'm sorry all you have to do is appreciate the fact that you have your grandma there and she still remembers to get your gift in the first place and hey second dutch oven who doesn't need two every every boy needs a stuffed cow and every every adult needs two dutch ovens i don't have one yet Send it to me.
1: There you go. Send your extra Dutch oven to Connor. Yeah, and it's like this is this is going to be another wild metaphor, but if you've ever played a, a strategy game like Starcraft or something, you want to have two bases that make your, your your troops, your main troops, so you can just keep churning them out. And maybe you're on the holidays, you're making lots of pies, you want to have two Dutch ovens to just keep those pies coming out. Stagger us? Yes. Let's go. Next
0: time Grandma comes over, you use both Dutch ovens
1: <laughs> and say, Grandma, I couldn't
0: have done this without you. Exactly. <laughs> This is perfect i don't think that's the worst at all i think that's the best um all right Drew page drew says best gift i've ever given was i was able to get my wife a ps5 this year after searching for months upon months i got lucky and was able to finally get one for her. would have paid any kind of price to find one for her well you know this space better than i do a ps5 right now are those going for like
1: like five six hundred bucks Okay, so I checked this at our office, like, Christmas dinner. PS5 right now on StockX to, like, guaranteed get one. Base price, uh, about $710. You factor in shipping and everything. It's going to get you closer to about 750 800 Dang. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I think there's got to be a limit. There's
0: got to be a limit to, to a Christmas gift. These Lexus commercials that make us believe that people actually buy cars for their significant others, that's not real. Right. That's not real. My dad used to joke every single time he'd open a small box. <laughs> It'll look like I don't know, it was probably like a watch or something like that. And he would do the little Lexus jingle like my mom was about to get him a
1: car and it was gonna be sitting outside. Not a thing. Not that's a an thing. apex dad joke. I love that. Every small box, like, <laughs> is this a car, honey? No, dad, it's not.
0: It never was. It never <laughs> quite was. That's I mean, that's a good amount to spend on 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 a on a gift. I was even surprised, like, like our pizza oven. I was kinda like, this is this is like way. T- I, I felt bad because it was like way too expensive to, to get like that. That's not the standard for, for like how much to spend, on on like a family member every single Christmas. So like then, what do you do the next year after the PS Five? Right. Right. You can't just get a Dutch oven. You can't just do that. You know. You can't like just pull Dutch that off next year. That's, two Dutch ovens. My bad. Not just one. But that's you set the bar really really high, and I don't know. I, <clears throat> I prefer to stay a little bit lower but again drew says look this is something that she she really wanted he would have paid any amount of money to be able to get it for shout out to everybody that was able to get a ps5 this holiday season it's like um princess unicorn do whatever you can get your hands on that doll that's white selling and don't worry about price oh this is even better than the one i wanted
1: <laughs> so i'll right. say this real quick there there are two ways to get a PS5. To be fair, there is like the uh, the the way out, well, which is stockx. What are you, like Will? Well,
0: what are you getting into right
1: now? Well, no, no, no. I'm just letting you know. There's the what Drew. I think Drew did, which is you find a legit retailer like Walmart or something that restocks, and you get it for retail. That's the ultimate victory. That's what John did for me. Uh, peel behind the onion in my life. You remember my, my grandpa passed away in March last year. John was on uh, like the Walmart website at 4 a.m. like refreshing the page to get me a PS5 because he's Dang. like he's like I know Will needs a PS5 right now. So. So that's like the heroic way to go, or you could just pay above sticker and go to StockX. I will say, shout out to Drew and his wife, they, his wife absolutely carried me on Warzone the other day when we played, she's disgusting at video games. I literally was in there bro, I was like 1 in 5, his wife was like sixteen and 2, she just kept reviving me and I kept getting shot in the head. and I was like, I'm so sorry! So, shout, shout out to Drew and his wife, who we were like, seriously good at video games, I'm much better than myself.
0: Okay, so that's why Drew obviously had to get the PS5 for his wife. Yeah, she's gonna carry you. So you're, you're seeing benefits from. Ex-
1: I' I'm, I'm, I'm getting the dividend here because she might yeah. I think she was playing on that while saving me on my souped up editing PC, just getting beaten into the <laughs> ground.
0: Paige Cooper says, best gift subscription to the rare beer club. Ooh. The subscription services are are pretty nice. They're pretty nice. They're I think they're a little bit hit hit or miss with some of these things. I have not done the Rare Beer Club, but I was looking into doing. Um, I remember it was like a it was like a bourbon one that I was looking to do. I think for my brother actually, and I think I was looking at it like a couple years ago or something like right after he moved to Kentucky, and I was kind of like looking at some of the prices and I was like, Oh, the value of this really isn't that great. And some of them, you kind of break it down and you're like price wise, this isn't really that good. But then there are the occasional ones that are really, really good. Um, and the rare beer club would be fun because it's like a present every single time. That's, that's the, the nice thing about some of those random subscription services. Like one time Lauren did one for me that was snacks. You just have like these new random snacks and I would never show up and it's like, oh, new food and stuff that I obviously like because they understand my tastes. And then it just shows up on your door. A rare Beer Club would probably be very similar to that great gift idea. Really mm-hmm. like that, Paige Cooper. Let's end with this one. Jeremy Fisher, best gift I ever got. Super Nintendo when I was 10. Ooh, the worst? Socks. I agree to disagree on that one. Like a lot of socks. Um, that's maybe the sign that I'm on the wrong side of 30. Jeremy also says, At this point, my wife and I only buy for our parents, siblings, and nieces slash nephews. We keep spending light and even stopped buying for each other. We don't have kids and like to take trips, so that's where our money goes. Very smart. I don't like getting gifts at all. All the things I want are expensive and or very specific. I love buying our nieces and nephews gifts. A few years back, my mom bought my brother and his wife these three-foot-tall dolls, a boy and a girl, that looked like they were from... From the 1900s, we still to this day have no idea why she thought that was a good idea. They look like they're from a horror movie, and my brother told me he keeps them in a box in storage. Oh, that's bad. Uh, he said he those. is terrified nope, to, le- storage. to. Oh, that's yeah. how they get out of storage. <laughs> Yikes, man! I've seen that movie before. He said he's terrified to have them in the house. Lots unpacked there. Um, okay. Let's, let's start, let's start with the beginning here. The best gift I ever got super Nintendo. When I was 10, if you grew up in this generation, most people would say best gift you ever got was some sort of video game system. We got PlayStation. We got PlayStation. I think it was for my birthday. We didn't get that for Christmas, like the original PlayStation. That was incredible. That Mm -hmm. was awesome. That provided so much entertainment all about that. As you get older, do video games still have that same sort of appeal to you as they did when when you were a kid? And I'm asking you this personally, because you're somebody that, that still obviously likes to play games with Drew Page and, and his wife and you know get carried by them, but does it still kind of give you that childhood joy the way that it did
1: then? I mean, dog, they're 10 times harder to get today. So even if it was linear, so, it's like that would make up for it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah,
0: all right, that's, that's, that's perfectly fair. Um, okay, so... Yeah, we don't need to... I, I'm afraid to dig into the doll subject. Um, I don't I don't want to wish any ill will on anyone for that and have those things come back to haunt all of us. That sounds just terrifying. Um, I, I don't know if you wanted to keep them in storage or if you just want to chuck those all together. You're not saving those for a rainy day. And if you're saving them for a rainy day, you're just asking to end up as the subject of a horror movie. So don't do that. The subject of not liking to receive gifts, I think there, there's something to be said for that. There is something to be said for having very specific tastes mm-hmm. and not wanting that angst of telling someone, hey, I actually didn't really want this, or having to like appease this person and put on a fake reaction. When you're giving a gift, you don't necessarily have to be like necessarily fake about anything. And you can kind of just like hope that you did your homework well. And, you know, as long as you're not having somebody open their second Dutch oven in as many years, you can basically bank on hopefully a good reaction. I definitely am, am all about the, the giving of those gifts. And we, we exchange gifts at my mom's house uh, y- or two nights ago. And that's I look forward to that way more than like having a present sitting right next to me and opening it because I'm like, oh, am I gonna have like the right reaction? Blah blah blah. And instead, I can just watch them react. We got it was it was a Ray Bans year in the Ogera household. Ooh. That was the the gift for for everyone. So everybody's gonna be in the Ray Bans club now. But I would much rather do that. And I just don't feel um, quite as angsty about that. Is that weird?
1: No, I think that's I think that's like. Normal, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I'm glad to hear that most people don't do that. Especially like my mom is a person who gets presents for literally everyone. And I'm starting to realize she probably puts people at like a gift disadvantage because she probably buys over a hundred presents a year. And like everyone she sees she has a present for. Now it's like, what? Like <laughs> she's just in an endless loop of getting all these presents for people. <laughs>
0: Jeez, goodness gracious! um and Thank you to everybody who submitted responses
1: in the Saturday Down South podcast Facebook. Hold on, group. did you do did you do best best and worst gifts, or did too many people you know listen to this podcast? Um, because <laughs> that's what I've been thinking. You of. know, what?
0: like I I don't have like a I think I already kind of hit on it. well My aunt Judy who gave I think she gave us like Ed Hardy pants, or maybe it was, no, she <laughs> just gave those to Lauren, and that was so weird. I was like, why did you go with that? Um, there was. My, my, probably my favorite gift, there was one time I must've been, what was I? I was six, I was in sixth grade and, um, went through all like my opening of presents or whatever. And we usually like to eat a big breakfast after we open presents on Christmas morning. And I'm just sitting there in the kitchen or whatever. And the thing that I wanted more than anything else was a Tracy McGrady magic Jersey. Okay. That's all I wanted. And big Tracy McGrady guy I was back in the day. And so... Uh, we're just sitting there eating breakfast. And my mom goes upstairs and she comes down and in like a separate bag. I, th- I think she was like a black tra- a, like, trash bag that she had this in for whatever reason. So that like I couldn't find it. She pulls out the Tracy McGrady jersey that I wanted and I was so excited. And I, I don't know if that's like if that would be considered like the best gift I've ever gotten. Um, this pizza oven is already kind of climbing on this list, not going to mm-hmm. lie. Um, but that was one of those things where I'll, I'll probably never
1: forget that, and that kind of hit a, a very special place. What about you? So I think best gifts, I got national championship tickets two years ago for, for 2019. Right. That was probably That was probably number one. I'm trying to – all of my worst ones are from people that listen to the podcast. Not being mean, but it's like I don't want to say it, and then have someone be like, hey, that was – so, yeah, I, I've definitely gotten, like, some wild <laughs> – my mom tells everyone, listen to this podcast. I'm really, I'm, I love every gift I've ever gotten. There we go. <laughs> there we go. We'll just find out that one. We'll, yeah, we'll that just on yeah. that I think, uh, yeah, it also, yeah. Uh, well, I have something for you off air, but yeah, it's it, I'm, I'm very, uh, I, a, lot, like, a lot of people have given me like very out of the box, very cool gifts. And I'm like, oh, and like, that's one thing between me and my friends as we've talked about, as you get kind of older, start knowing the people in your life a little bit better. Like you can really just kind of like try to top each other. I think that's really fun, so yeah.
0: That is fun. Yeah, we we're we're at different places with the with the buddy gifts, but mm-hmm. I mean, if you got if you have friends that are willing to stay up at four in the morning and click on something <laughs> to be able to get you an Xbox, that's that's incredible. Shout out to John. John's the man. The pod schedule for next week: we are going to record on Monday, so that'll come out on Tuesday, and then that'll be the only podcast that we do midweek. But we'll be recording again uh, that following Sunday, so we'll have a lot to recap. That'll be. January 2nd. So that'll be after all the, the playoff semifinal games, all the New Year's Day games, all those different things. So we're gonna do that one, kind of just like the way that we did our Sunday recap pods during the regular season. Hopefully we've given everyone enough to be able to like, you know, feel like they're, we, we tied them over, so to speak. Um, I'm gonna be all over the place coming up in a little bit. My travel schedule gets crazy. And I say that even a day after I just drove with my brother um, and his wife from chicago down here to indianapolis where i am right now i am going to be going to miami for the orange bowl and then right after that i am flying back up here to indy to cover the national championship i've never been to a national championship i'm very excited for that but what we're going to do is we're going to keep trying to crank out as much great stuff as possible one last last thing i know uh, jenny bolton who uh for those who are in the saturday on south podcast facebook group if you've been in there, if you've kind of, you know, if you've been there for, for years, you've, you've seen Jenny posts, um, she loves post recipes and different things and whatnot. Um, she's going through some some health struggles right now and their family is dealing with a lot. And I think Jay Woody was gonna work to set up either a GoFundMe or something on, on PayPal. Um, but I know that they're dealing with some very um, unfortunate circumstances during the holiday season and would love if anybody could help out Jenny in any way that you can um, with whatever means that you have available. If you have not, leave us a five-star review. Go subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. Subscribe to our newsletter. Go subscribe to College Football Uncensored and Saturday Lives Forever wherever you get your podcast. Join the Facebook group and hear your name red on air with figuring it out or bold and brash. Thanks, guys. Talk soon and Merry Christmas.